Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Red Letters Sermon Series, which looks at the words of Jesus Christ in the Gospels. We hope that this message will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Well, let's go today to John chapter number one tonight. John chapter one. John chapter one, we've been... On our Sunday nights, we've been going through the Red Letters series and uh, just kind of taking out really uh, kind of following the life of Christ and not getting everything that's taking place, but kind of going to different places where, uh, where Jesus has taught or said some things. And uh, if you'll remember the very first message, we saw the very first lesson really that Jesus taught uh, there in Luke chapter number two, where we see Jesus as a child and uh, the unlikely teacher, a 12-year-old boy teaching those in the synagogue. And he said to his parents, know you not that I must be about the father's business. And what are you doing searching for me? I, I have things to do that, just like you said to the disciples, I have things to do that you don't know, you don't know of. You don't know what I'm here is sent to do. And we looked at an unlikely teacher. And then uh, the second and third message, my dad preached. The second message, of course, was on the baptism of Jesus. And uh, he did that because it was the right thing to do. And uh, he taught us there about baptism. And then we were in Matthew chapter number four, and we learned about the temptation of Jesus Christ and how Jesus said that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Father, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God and just the safety and the security that's there in the word of God. Man, aren't you thankful for the word of God? Man, it's our, it's our resort for temptation that when we face challenges and when we face trials and then when we face temptations, the word of God is where we should go, where we should run to and where we should find our safety in. And tonight we're going to come and we're going to find ourselves in John chapter number one. And as you, as you find your place there, I wonder uh, how many of, of you tonight, you would say that you are probably what they would call, you're naturally an extrovert. How many of you would say you are naturally an extrovert? That means you like meeting people. How many of you like that? All right. How many of you say, I'm an introvert by nature. I don't like it. All right. There's a few of you. Uh, Dad, put your hand down. That is not you. Um, <clears throat> they, they've said an, a, a, an extrovert, an introvert. You know, you've been, they, they've made a way. I mean, a lot of people, we, I, I'm naturally an extrovert and I don't mind meeting new people. And uh, years ago, they kind of came up with a terminology about people who are naturally extroverts. It's kind of a, an out for them. It's called a meet and greet. Introverts don't like meet and greets. Extroverts love them. And uh, there's been now, you know, you can go and businesses host meet and greets and new companies and new restaurants and maybe a neighborhood watch society or uh, maybe even a church, they'll, they'll host meet and greets. And the purpose of a meet and greet is you're going to go and meet somebody, but then be able to have a conversation to get to know them a little bit better. Now, there's some of you would say, mark me out. My wife, Hannah, she's one of those. She's like, after I've had a conversation with about three people in the day, I'm tapped out. You know, just send me home. I don't want to be around people. And that's really a lot of my wife's family is introverts. Uh, and then all of my family, we're just hyperactive. <laughs> and uh, we're all naturally extroverts. I remember getting so frustrated growing up. Uh, because we would, my sister's here tonight and my niece, and uh, it, it was so frustrating to go anywhere with my dad. And the reason is because, number one, he either already knew people or he would leave knowing people. So if we walked into a restaurant, you know, I mean, if we're walking into a Denny's or something like that, 
all the way as, as the, the hostess is showing us to go to the table, all the way, dad's stopping at every table and he's going, what'd you get? Is it good? Do you like it? Would you recommend it? Should I get it? Oh, do you think I need it? Are you calling me fat? And he would, he would just get this conversation with people. And then when we're leaving, he'd be, he'd be walking. He'd be say, oh yeah, I just had that. Listen, I didn't get enough. Could I sit down and join you? And then he's holding the door open saying, well, we, we ate it all. It's, there's none left. I don't know why you're going in, you know? And all the time it took us forever to get in a restaurant or out of a restaurant or in the supermarket or out of the supermarket. And now my kids are saying to me, dad, you're just like Papa. And uh, you know what? There's just some people that they're just natural in meeting folks. You know, one of the things, and I think even an introvert or an extrovert would say, is one of the positive things about maybe a meet and greet scenario is that once you meet somebody, if you just talk to them for a few minutes, you can get to know them. Now, you may not get to know them deeply, but you could probably get to know a little bit about somebody and just listening to them talk just for a few minutes. Well, as we come to John chapter number one, we're coming to a, a place in scripture where I'm calling it a meet and greet with Jesus. It's a time when people are just meeting him and listening to him. And just from the few words that he speaks in John chapter one, we can learn a lot about Jesus Christ. And so I want you to take your Bible and let's go to John chapter number one and stand with me if you would. And let's go to verse number 35 and We'll get the context of the passage in just a minute after we read it. But John chapter 1 and verse 35, and we'll read down through the end of the chapter. And the Word of God says this. And the next, again, the next day after John stood, uh, let me tell you very quickly what that phrase is referring to. John, John the Baptist, he had just the day before, so we're going to, for the sake of our mind, we're going to say on a Tuesday... John the Baptist stood and he was telling people about the baptism of Jesus Christ. The baptism of Jesus Christ didn't happen on that Tuesday. It happened about a month, month and maybe, maybe a month and two weeks before. 40 days, we know at least 40 days before that. So I'd say maybe 41 or 42 days. And so here on this Tuesday, John is standing and he's recalling the baptism of Jesus Christ. You say, well, how do we do that? If you go back and you read just the first, the verses right before that, it's Jesus's baptism. It's not the actual day it happened. It's John recounting that. And so now here we are on the next day. The next, again, the next day after John stood, two of his disciples and looking upon and looking upon Jesus as he walked, as Jesus walked, he saith, John saith, behold, the lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following and saith unto them, what seek ye? And they said unto him, Rabbi, which is to, uh, to say or uh, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the 10th hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, he, Andrew, first findeth his own brother, Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he, Andrew, brought him, Peter, to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, Peter, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah, or Jonas. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is, by interpretation, a stone. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip. And saith unto him, Follow me. 
Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael and say unto him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he, Jesus, saith unto him, Nathanael, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter, ye shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. John chapter 1, it's a meet and greet. It's where we're just kind of first getting introduced to Jesus. Really, those in the passage don't know much about him up until this point. Not a lot of miracles, not a lot of messages, but there's a lot of help in this passage to help us and them learn not only to meet Jesus, but actually learn about him. And so we're gonna learn some truths tonight about Christ. And so let's pray, then we'll get the context of the passage and then we'll go right into the message. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let's just take a moment and just give God permission to speak to us tonight. And you can pray something simple of, dear God, please speak to me. Dear God, please speak to me. Maybe you might pray, God, help me to learn something about you tonight. And then would you commit to the Lord that as he speaks to you tonight, that you're listening to him? Dear Lord, we come before you again. Thank you for your love and thank you for this morning's services. Thank you, Lord, for uh, the one who trusted Christ this, uh, this last week. And thank you, Father, for how you've continued uh, to just work in our church. And Lord, we pray that you keep that work going right now as we get into your word, that you challenge us and help us to hear from you. And we love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. As we open up John chapter 1, we're actually opening up in the, sea of, in the life of Christ near the Sea of Galilee. And uh, of course, uh, uh, we were able to be there, and Miss Anita was able to stand right there, right next to the Sea of Galilee. And you know what? When you look across this, and right there near Capernaum, where Jesus' earthly ministry would really begin to take off, and so as you come to John chapter number one near the Sea of Galilee, we find really a, a I'll give you the synopsis of what takes place here is uh, Jesus, he again, he hasn't been doing a lot of miracles. There haven't been any recorded for us. The first would be the uh, water into wine at the marriage of Cana, which would take place after this in John chapter number two. And so not a lot of miracles yet. Uh, there's not a lot of recorded messages yet. However, I will tell you that we know Jesus was preaching. He was preaching in Capernaum. We know that to be true, that um, if you go to John 1, and, and again, if we kind of study out some scripture, we don't have time to do all of the background, but if we study it out, the context of these men meeting Jesus, they're not just meeting somebody who's a stranger that they haven't heard anything about. They've probably heard some things about Jesus. Again, no miracles yet recorded for us, so there might have been some done, but not recorded in scripture for us. But we do know that there were messages preached. We know that because the Bible tells us and recounts for us later that Jesus was referred to as the great teacher or the great rabbi 
from Capernaum. And so he was a great teacher already in Capernaum. And so he would teach in the synagogue there. And I like showing pictures from Israel every now and then. If you haven't caught on, I'm just trying to do a little commercial for our trip next year. Hopefully you're getting ready to go with us. But when you look at what Jesus is doing, he's there in Capernaum, he's teaching, but then he just begins by calling people to him. He begins by meeting people and by challenging people to receive him. And what you find in the passage is Jesus. He goes and he finds a man by the name of Andrew. Andrew was a follower of John. And we'll, we'll get all this again in just a second. Follower of John. And he goes and John leads him to Christ. And Andrew in turn goes and he finds his brother, Simon Peter. Well, then he reaches Philip. And Philip goes and Philip reaches Nathaniel. And it's just a simple thought tonight and not the main thrust of the message, but the natural response to knowing Christ is wanting others to know him as well. And we're going to see that all through the scripture. We're going to see that this week. Uh, we have this next week. We're learning about Nicodemus in John 3. And then on the 15th, we're learning about uh, the woman at the well in John chapter number four. What a great passage. Our end of the city outreach is all from that. And so when we look through all of these things, we see that the natural response to knowing Christ is my desire for other people to know him as well. That's what was taking place in John chapter number one. But as we open up John chapter number one, we can find that, again, all of these things have been uh, taking place. If you were to go and do the research, Jesus had just, he's just been coming out of the 40 days and 40 nights in the desert. He's coming off that time where uh, I believe he was tempted in all points like as we are. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter four, that we have not a high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. So Jesus is just coming off of that time, proving again his deity, his perfection. As we come into the verses before us, we see people getting to know more about Christ, meeting him and learning about him. And so I want us to kind of jump in in the meet and greet tonight in John 1 and see what we can learn about Jesus Christ. Because from the words of Christ in this passage... I think we can learn some great truths. And so tonight I want you to see, first of all, that I believe this passage helps us learn and understand something that I'm calling Christ's awareness, his awareness. If you were to go to our passage, we learn about his awareness of individuals, people in the passage that Jesus, even before they physically met him, Jesus proves to us he already knew them. I see, first of all, his awareness of Peter. Look with me, if you will, verse 40, down through verse number 42. It says, one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother, Simon, and saith unto him, we have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And uh, Andrew brought Peter to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, thou art Simon, the son of Jonas. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. In these verses, we find Andrew receiving Christ as his savior. Andrew, he was, as I said a second ago, a follower of John. He was a disciple of John. And we know from John 1 earlier that John had a lot of disciples, people following him. Well, when Jesus walks by, remember the day before, John had been telling 
his disciples, the people around him, about the baptism of Christ. And then there was this thing that, uh, man, I, I put my cousin under the water. Remember, John and Jesus are cousins. And I brought him up out of the water. And man, there was a dove that ascended from heaven. And we heard a voice that from heaven that this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And John's saying all of that. And I can imagine maybe some of those guys. And it would lead us to believe that they weren't there 40 days before because they don't know who, who is this Jesus of Nazareth. And so what, what are you talking about, John? And as John's telling them, he's like, man, but you guys go home tomorrow. I'll tell you more. Well, they get up on Wednesday and they go on Wednesday and that's the next day, verse 35. And there goes Jesus strolling by and they say, hey, behold, the lamb of God. Hey, there's the guy I was telling you about. This is the one that the dove ascended. Yesterday, I told you the story. There he is today. And Andrew, what's he do? He says, all right, John, thanks for pointing me to Jesus. And Andrew goes and receives Christ as his own savior. Hey, we, have we not found the Messiah, the one that the prophets told us about? Andrew goes and he receives Christ as his savior. And then what's he do? And then he goes and he gets Peter. Again, it's only the natural response of someone who knows Christ that they're going to want other people to know him as well. And we can see that Andrew, he had a burden. He had a burden for the people around him that didn't know Christ. Can I just tell you very quickly this evening that we too should have a burden for those around us that don't know Christ, but especially our loved ones? Who did Andrew go to first? He went to his brother. This week, I was out to coffee with one of our men, and <clears throat> excuse me, we were sitting there having a cup of coffee, and this man was sharing with me the, the burden he has for one of his friends. And uh, man, he, you know, he's just saying, Pastor, I want you to just pray for me, pray, with, pray for me with this guy. I want to witness to him, and I want to be able to talk to him about the Lord. And his dad and I are good friends, and his dad, uh, his dad knows the Lord, and we, his dad and I have both been praying for him. That's what this guy is sharing with me. And lo and behold, we're there. And about, about 10 minutes later, you know who walks in? The dad. The dad walks in. Dad walks over and says, oh, hey, and says hello to that man from our church. And, and then the man introduces me. I says, oh, this is my pastor. And, and uh, we were just talking about you. The dad says, oh, really? What were you talking about? Well, we, were, we were talking about how I'm praying for your son. He said, oh, man, I've been praying for him. He said, you know what he needs? He needs people around him that, that know the Lord and he needs, someone, he needs someone to reach him. And then the two begin to speak and I won't give you the whole conversation, but through the course of the conversation, the man who I just met turned and looked at me and said, you know what's, the sad, what's one of the saddest things is that there's a lot of believers out there that could reach other people, but they just never tell anybody that they're a believer. Isn't that sad, Pastor Dennis? And this, he wasn't a pastor. He wasn't on staff anywhere. He's just a man of God here in our community. You know what? That's one of the saddest things about Christianity is that there's a lot of Christians that we have what Andrew had, but we don't go to our Peters. We don't go to our Simons. We don't go to our loved ones. Well, here's what Andrew did. Andrew, he took, his, he took that burden and he went and he reached his brother. But I want you to notice what happens when Peter comes to Christ. If you go and you look at verse number 41 and 42, we find that when Simon gets there, Jesus doesn't go, hi, what's your name? Jesus didn't ever have to do that. Peter's walking up and Jesus looks at him and says, 
You're Simon, son of Jonas. I'm going to call you Cephas, a stone. You say, Pastor, what, what can we really learn from that? Listen, Jesus already knew Peter. Jesus already had an awareness of everything going on in Peter's life. He knew his heritage. He knew what he had right then. He knew his future. Jesus knew everything about Peter. I see his awareness about Peter, but I also see his awareness of Nathaniel. We see that in the passage. So here, <clears throat> the next day, so now we'll say it's Thursday, Jesus goes and he finds Philip. Says to Philip, follow me. We'll look at that in just a moment. Says to Philip, follow me. And Philip goes after Christ, receives Jesus. And then he goes and he finds Nathaniel. Oh, wait, there's a saying that I've been saying tonight. Oh, it's the natural response of someone who knows Christ is you want others to know him as well. Here's Philip doing the same thing, going to reach Nathaniel. Nathaniel and Philip have this discourse. He says, hey, uh, we found the Messiah. It's Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathaniel says, can any good thing come of Nazareth? And uh, every year during the Christmas season, we talk about Nazareth and the unlikely state there, or the unli unlikely town that it would be, and, and the area really across the train tracks and kind of that, uh, uh, you know, one, one camel town. Uh, one horse town, they didn't really ride a horse, one donkey town, you know, they just had one sheep. I mean, it's just an itty bitty little town. All it was really known for is the Roman garrison that would be stationed nearby, uh, Nazareth. I mean, it was one of those places like, really, Nazareth? I mean, who's going to live there? And that's why Nathaniel says, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip says to him, hey, come and see, come and see. I preached a message in our Life of Christ series back in 2014, and the title was Come and See, because twice in this, in this passage, Jesus says, come and see, and Philip says, come and see. Hey, just come see for yourself. You know, that's a great invitation for people. I'm just kind of getting a lot of sidetracks tonight. That's okay. That's a great invitation. Come and see for yourself. You know what? This, this month, as we're doing Community Sunday, you're going to invite folks maybe to your church, maybe to, to church or, or to a service or the first responders or maybe to the barbecue on the 22nd or maybe uh, this Christmas, we're going to invite people to the Christmas presentation. And Well, what's so special about your church? I'll just come and see. Hey, just come. And, what's so special about your Jesus? Just come and see. That's what Jesus said. That's what Philip said in the passage. And so Nathaniel, he takes Philip up on the offer. He goes and he travels and he meets Jesus. Well, what takes place is you can read it there, verse 43 down through verse number 48, and we won't do that for time's sake, but Nathanael gets there and what does Jesus say to him? Jesus says to Nathanael, hey, uh, there's, a, there's a guy in whom is no guile. There's an Israelite in whom is no guile. And Nathanael says, well, who do, you, who do you really think you are? Do you know me? That's really kind of Nathaniel's attitude. Nathaniel's attitude isn't, isn't mean or rebellious. or It's just kind of resistant. It's just kind of like, I, I don't, do, you, do you know me? How, how in the world do you know me? Kind of skeptical. And what Jesus say to him, he says, Nathaniel, before Philip ever even spoke to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Now we know that means something to Nathaniel. Because Nathaniel says, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ. I believe. I wonder. This, isn't, this, is, this is just kind of pastor speculation. I'm allowed to do it every now and then. I wonder, maybe a week before, maybe a week before Nathaniel was sitting under a fig tree 
eating some figs, just sitting there. And maybe he was just thinking, man, God, we've sure read about, we've read about the promises of Messiah. We've read about you sending somebody to deliver us. I sure am tired of these Romans around. I sure am tired of. Maybe he was sitting thinking about that. Maybe he was under a fig tree and maybe he was praying to Jehovah. Maybe he was praying, God, there's a burden in my heart. God, I just wish you would help me. Maybe he was searching for direction. Come on, let's, let's use our imagination a little bit. Maybe he was like you or me sometimes when we're just kind of in, in a desperation mode. You know, it's just that moment where you're just saying, God, I need you. God, where are you? God, what is going on? God, send me a sign. We're doing the Gideon thing, you know. Send me a sign. Do something. I believe that that's what Nathaniel was having under that fig tree. Well, how can we say that? Because when Jesus said, I saw you under the fig tree, Nathaniel went, you are the Messiah. This, is, this helps us in, in, that helps us in this way. Under the fig tree, Nathaniel was having a conversation between him and God alone. It's something that Nathaniel probably never told anybody else about. It's a situation that Nathaniel probably never expressed to his friend Philip. He probably never told anybody else from Bethsaida. He probably never told anybody else from the Capernaum area. He probably never told anybody. And yet, what does Jesus say? Man, before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. What's that saying? Hey, Nathaniel, I know where you are. I know who you are. I know what you need, and I'm here to meet it. Man, what a great truth, huh? What a great thought. We can get that all just from those simple words. Before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. I knew you. I see his awareness of Peter. I see his awareness of Nathaniel. But then lastly tonight with this thought of his awareness, I see his awareness of us. His awareness of us. <clears throat> Can I just tell you tonight that, that you and I, we have a God who just as he knew Peter, and just as he knew Nathaniel, we have a God who knows you. And here's the simple truth. He knows you better than you know you. And yet he still loves you. And he still cares for you. And he still reaches out to you. And he still protects you. And he still comforts you. And he still strengthens you. And he still guides you. And he still speaks to you. And he still brings his fruit of the Spirit to come along and his Holy Spirit to accompany you. Man, all of that. Well, why? Because he knows you. He is aware of your fig tree moments. Can I say it that way? He's aware of your fig tree moments. The times when it's just you and God, Jesus is saying, I'm aware of that. I know that heartache. I know that desire. I know that prayer. I know that need. Man, his awareness. I love what Jesus said, Matthew 10, 30. The very hairs of your head are all numbered. For some of you, it's not that hard. Leo, I'm sorry. You know what? Man, the hairs of our head are all numbered. 
You know, versus just teaching, I know exactly where you are. I know everything about you. I want you to take your Bible, if you would. I want you to go to Psalm 139. <clears throat> and I'll tell you tonight, this first point about Christ's awareness, this is the longest point of the entire message, okay? Because here's what we're going to do. We're going to go read Psalm 139. We don't do this often, but I'm going to read pretty much the entire chapter. And I want you to see this tonight. And I want you to listen to how the psalmist writes about God's awareness in our life. Psalm 139, beginning in verse number one. It says, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee, for thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee. For because I am fearfully and wonderfully made, marvelous are thy works, and that my soul, it knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Man, what a, what a passage. What a great passage. The psalmist just simply says, God, you know everything about my life. Man, aren't you thankful for Christ's awareness? And we see Christ's awareness in the passage, but also I believe we can see Christ's appeal. His appeal or his call. Notice verse number 43, we find the appeal given to Philip. And the, if simply it's this. Jesus said to Philip two words, follow me. Hey, follow me. I want you to understand tonight that in this particular passage that this follow me is an invitation to receive Jesus as Savior. This is not the follow me like Luke chapter number five that Jesus would give to Peter. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. This is not the follow me that Jesus would give to Bartholomew or to, uh, Lee, to, to Matthew. This is not the follow me that Jesus would eventually give to uh, so many others that you find throughout scripture. This is follow me for salvation. This is come to me and receive me as the Messiah. And Philip chose to do that. And Later, we're going to see the other follow me's. We'll talk about that uh, October 6th, I think, is when we're in Luke chapter number five. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. But when you look at this, the appeal that, that the Lord gives to Philip here is follow me as the Messiah or as the anointed one or as the chosen Christ. 
We understand Israel was waiting and looking for the promised one who was foretold by the prophets. And now Philip, in our passage, he is face to face with Messiah. He is confronted with the decision of receiving him or rejecting him. The appeal is, follow me, receive me. Now, a very simple thought about Christ's appeal tonight is this truth, that Jesus still sends out the same appeal today. He still sends out the same call today. Well, what's the call? Receive him, follow him. And not only does God know us, but he has a plan for us, and that plan is that we would receive him as Savior. Now, I understand tonight, talking to a Sunday night uh, crowd, and, and this would be the people would say, well, this is kind of the core of the church. I get that, but I wonder. Maybe you're here, and you don't know Christ as your Savior. There's a doubt. There's something that you've been struggling with. Maybe it's a few weeks ago you heard Pastor Skelly preach about hell and thinking, well, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm kind of doubting some things. Can I just tell you, get it settled? It's worth it, isn't it, Miss Janet? It's worth it to get it settled if you're struggling with those doubts. It's worth it because the appeal still goes, still goes out. Hey, follow me, receive me. But for those of us that do know the Lord, can I just simply tell us and, and remind us tonight that this appeal is still going out to others? God still is calling people to come to know him and, and God still desires for us to be an Andrew and go reach a Nathaniel or Andrew and go reach a, a Simon Peter. God still wants us to be a Philip and go reach a Nathaniel. God still has a desire to reach this world with the gospel and we need to understand and see it. The first Peter chapter or second Peter chapter three, verse number nine, we know the verse that the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us word, not willing that what's the next word? any, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Man, God's desire, listen, God's desire is that Moses, every single person in Moses Lake would trust Christ as Savior. That's God's desire. God's desire, God's want, God's uh, wish, God's prayer. Christ's prayer is that every single person in the state of Washington would come to know him as Savior. That every single person, every, every uh, person, every part of the 7.7 billion people on the face of the earth right now, God's desire is that every single one of them would come to know him. That's the appeal. But Paul said it this way, how shall they hear without a preacher? You see, Jesus, isn't, Jesus is not walking around now calling people to follow him. Physically, he's not doing that. Now he's walking through us, calling people to follow him. Now, if I, if I could say it, you're the mini Christ. You say, I'm, I'm not Christ. Yeah. The word Christian, little Christ. You're the, you're the, uh, uh, the microscope. You're the What's that thing called that you use? Magnifying glass. There you go. It's just my mind went blank. You're the magnifying glass that people look through your life and it gives them a closer glimpse of who Jesus is. That's what you and I are supposed to be. Can I just tell you that that's what Into the City is all about? And for our church family, that's what the Community Sunday is all about. We were talking about it in staff meeting the other day and, and uh, Robert brought up a great thought. He said, we've, we've got to be careful. 
We've got to be careful that we don't make it seem that we're just trying to get invitations out. Well, we have these, this many invitations. We've got to do that. Listen, we've got to be careful we're not doing that as a church family and as a, as a pastor. I don't want to, hey, let's, we have this many invitations. Let's get it out. Because that's not what we're trying to do. The goal is we're trying to blanket our community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're trying to take the Savior of the world to the world that needs the Savior. We're trying to take God who died for the world, we're trying to take him to them. Why? Because the appeal is still there. The call is still there. The cry is still there where Jesus is saying, hey, follow me. Hey, come unto me. Hey, come and see. This helps us understand the importance of getting his message to every single person. That's why I encourage everybody, get involved in the end of the city outreaches. Maybe you can't go blitzing all the time. That's okay. Go once. Well, why? Help, help get the gospel out. Well, I can't, I can't do this certain outreach. That's okay. Find one you can do. I can be involved in the neighborhood outreaches. Well, what are they? You have to come back next week and find out. I can't be involved in the bus worker outreach. That's okay. How about the pancake feed? Well, what are we doing? We're just, we're just giving out pancakes to people? No. No, we're giving them pancakes, and then we're trying to give them the gospel, trying to blanket our community, that appeal. I see tonight we learn about Christ's awareness. We learn about Christ's appeal. And then lastly tonight, I think we can learn about Christ's affiliation. What I mean by this is found in verse 50 in verse number 51. Jesus answered and said unto him, unto Nathanael, because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. Thou shalt see greater things than these. Verse 51, he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Uh, I won't get into it, but the Son of Man was a term that uh, was the, the link between Jesus or, or between the Son of God and, the, and uh, Jesus Christ. And so it's used... Um, I looked at 83 times in, in the four Gospels, and 13 of those are here in the book of John. And that title, it speaks of Jesus' humanity and his deity, and there's a lot there. But in these two verses, I'll summarize it by simply saying this. Here's what Jesus is saying to Nathaniel. Hey, you've only seen the beginning. Hey, Nathaniel, you follow me. Be a, you stay affiliated with me. You'll see miracles forever. You'll see miracles abounding. And isn't that the truth? That when a person receives Jesus Christ, salvation, it's just the beginning. Man, it's just the beginning. It's not just a saying to say, well, the life of a Christian is the best life there is. That's not just kind of a saying to trick people to become Christians. That's a true statement. The life of a Christian is the best life that you can have. Why? Because salvation is just the beginning. The great things, and uh, we read in Corinthians, and of course, I believe it's referring specifically to heaven, but I believe the principle is there. I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things that God hath in store for them that love him. Romans chapter 8, that uh, those who are called according to his purpose, that things work together for good. Man, it's amazing what salvation brings into my life, it brings me forgiveness and it brings me a relationship with God and it brings me eternity in heaven. But you know what? It brings me a good life. Yeah. 
Salvation's just the beginning. Oh, are there trials? Yes. Or are there challenges? Yes. But we're able to look at them and like Paul say, that's a light affliction. <laughs> that passage truly amazes me. Oh, it's a light affliction. Hannah last year memorized um, 2 Corinthians 11. Um, I think half of the chapter are some verses there. And it was all of the verses of in perils and, and, and just all that stuff that I quoted at the beginning of the message or the beginning of the service. And she memorized that. And I'm like, why are you, why are you memorizing all that? And she's like, well, it's, it's, a good, it's a good reminder. Well, what's a reminder? It's a reminder to know that Paul went through all of that. And yet he still said, it's a light affliction. How could he say that? Because he was walking with God. He was affiliated with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he was experiencing the peace that comes only to those who know him. Man, Nathaniel, you're only seeing the beginning. This is what Joshua said to the children of Israel. He said, hey, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. That principle is still true in scripture. When I set myself apart to the Lord, God does wonders among me. The psalmist said it this way in Psalm 77, verse 14, thou art the God that doest wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. You know what I learned from that? From these verses, I learned an affiliation with Christ. Man, salvation, it's just the beginning. I wonder what does God have in store if I'm close to him? Man, what does God have in store for me as I walk with him? And Nathaniel, I've got a lot more in store than just you believing in me. This evening, I, I think we come to this passage. We come to a meet and greet in John 1. We see the awareness of Christ. He knows you. We see the appeal of Christ. He wants other people to know him. And then we see the affiliation of Christ that he works wonders in those who know him and are close to him. But as we wrap things up tonight, I just simply want to close out with this thought. These are great truths. Those three thoughts, they're great for us, especially just his awareness of us. I think uh, it's a timely thought. But what I want us to kind of walk away with tonight is really the con, if I can say it, the, the key thought throughout the entire passage. And it's just this. I wonder who in your life needs to know your Christ. In our passage, there was an Andrew that got a Simon Peter. There was a Philip that got a Nathaniel. I wonder who needs you. There was a John that showed an Andrew. I mean, the whole passage, everybody that got saved in this passage got saved because someone reached them. Andrew, John reached Andrew. Andrew reached Simon. Jesus reached Philip. Philip reached Nathaniel. I just wonder tonight who in your life needs you to be a, a John or an Andrew or a Philip. And then just as another side thought is this. I wonder what, what wonders does Christ want to work through you this week? Salvation's just the beginning. And a walk with God, a, hey, Nathaniel, you stay with me long enough. Believing, that's just, the, that's just the beginning. That's just, so to speak, the tip of the iceberg. 
There's a whole lot more that you're about to see. I wonder maybe we'd make the choice. God, help me this week to walk with you that I might not miss the miracles that you want to work in my life. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.